Football season is right around the corner, and with that comes the wonderful world of fantasy. Whether that be your season long, your DFS, or your best ball entries that you're looking forward to, I'll be looking forward to getting into that with you all season long. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of Gut Feeling Fantasy. I'm your host, Bobby, and I appreciate you for clicking on this episode. I look forward to talking to you about what I want to share today, which, in my opinion, are going to be eight players that, in best ball, could definitely have some boom weeks for you. Hopefully, it's guys that aren't going off when your starters are having good weeks as well, but rather kind of be on bye weeks or just not performing performing to their greatest potential. Maybe they have a tough matchup or something like that. So a little bit before I do that, I just want to get a bit into my fantasy background. I've been doing season long since 2017 with a core group of about, I'd say, six guys. And then it's alternated between 10, 12 men. It's been a 12, 10 man league, excuse me, for about the last, this is going to be four years now. So, you know, it it is competitive. Last year, the top three, I finished third in this league. I have won it twice, but, you know, it, it, uh, top three were eight and five, and then four through six were seven and six, and then the bottom four were five and eight. So that top six separated by a game, and with only a four, four team playoff, two week long, uh, matchups. Certainly, each little play you make, each player you pick up, does make a lot of a difference. So, very good players, but you know, none of us are are experts by any means. But I certainly do think I know a bit enough fantasy football to share that. Last year was my first year doing best ball on the uh, Underdog Fantasy app or or website, whatever you want to call it, and did their best ball mania. I think last year was three. This year's four for the three million dollar first place prize. Finished first in the uh, group of. 12 and then finished fifth in the other two entries I did in that group of 12 phase. So in my opinion, first year of best ball finishing first and then in the top half of the other two group stages certainly was a win for me. I think I've learned a little bit now going on to this year though for best ball. And so I do have, like I said, eight players, three running backs, four wide receivers and one tight end that I think could make a difference on your best ball rosters. The first group of guys that I want to talk about are going to be the running backs, and we'll kind of start with more safe picks to a bit more of the stretch picks. Uh, Like I said, there are only three of them, so it's not, most of these guys probably aren't going to be a surprise especially this first one I want to talk about, and that is Antonio Gibson. His ADP right now has him going seventh, eighth rounds. So is he worth that? I I do believe so. And reason being, they're going to be starting Sam Howell this year at the quarterback position. I think he is going to be looking at, you know, a lot more uh, safe options, especially early on. Brian Robinson still might not be completely healthy uh, if we're going back to last season. So, Early on, I think Antonio Gibson will definitely get you a few points here and there. And like with these guys, I mean, if they, Antonio Gibson, I'd I'd be happy if he put up points six, seven weeks out of the season. I'm not looking for him to put up points every week, of course, but with him last year, there, there were only two games where he had above 50 receiving yards. And those were games where, where he was targeted above six times a game. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year. I think we're going to see some more receiving touchdowns where Sam Howell is having to rush out of the pocket and find Antonio Gibson in the end zone. So that's why I've got Antonio Gibson here. Not because it's really a, a stretch, but I think more or less because he's been a little bit overlooked here. So 
I certainly would want him on my team. I'm not sure for season long I'd go ahead and draft him that early, but for best ball, certainly think he has a lot of upside, which is what's really going to separate you from other people in your you know group stage uh, early on is the upside potential other than just the safe pick of, yeah, he'll get me you know 10 points a week, things like that. Next running back on this list is mainly because of the starter on this team. And it is Tank Bigsby, rookie running back out of Auburn for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, last year, the Jaguars kind of found a stride. Uh, they did impress me more than you know what I thought they would do. So the reason for Tank Bigsby, it doesn't seem like they're saying Travis Etienne is their go-to guy. I think drafting Tank, who is a very different running back, almost almost a bit similar to probably the Packers drafting A.J. Dillon when Aaron Jones was more that nimble running back, receiving running back, things like that. And then they just drafted a bulldozer in A.J. Dillon, and it worked out really well for them, especially last year they used A.J. Dillon a lot more as Aaron Jones is getting a bit older. Maybe, maybe he's not wanting to get all the reps that he previously did, and while Travis Etienne certainly is young, I think the Jaguars might be seeing how that is a successful move for Green Bay rather than just focusing on, on one guy. So Travis Etienne, certainly an excellent running back, but I don't think he will be their goal line option. I think that's still going to be Tank Bigsby. Trevor Lawrence is certainly a, a confident quarterback where I don't think he, they're going to need, as opposed to the commanders with Sam Howell, I don't think they're going to need Travis Etienne out there to be able to catch every single ball, be there for a safe option for Trevor Lawrence. So that is why I have Tank Bigsby on this list. He's going relatively, relatively low at this point. Let me see what that ADP actually is for him right now. So yeah, it's in the 130s right now. So drafting around then, rounds 12, rounds 13, if he's there, definitely go ahead and pick him up. I think there will be games where they get to the goal line a heck of a lot, and maybe they just try and bulldoze with Tank. So as a as a draft pick, as a rookie, I think the Jaguars will want to see what he can do. And so I don't think they're going to be afraid to give him the ball even early on in the season. The last running back I want to talk about is Jalen Warren. I think that he has the least upside potential on this list, actually. Oh, behind Antonio Gibson and Tank Bigsby, which is why I do want to talk about him last. It's more of a probably safer pick than Tank Bigsby because we do know that the Steelers will look to use uh, Warren in some capacity. But at the same time, Najee Harris is definitely their guy. It may not be that Najee's a, a great pass catcher and they'll still use Jalen Warren, but I do think Jalen Warren wants more of a workload. I think he wants to be you know, more more part of that offense rather than just what he was last year. So because of that, and Najee's getting a little bit older. So if he's there, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th, probably not 14th, but you know, 12th, 13th rounds, then I'd say go ahead and pick up Jalen Warren just as a one safety net in case something did happen to Najee. There's not really anyone else in that backfield that is going to command or even split rushing attempts, ball carries with him. So just for that, I think he's a safe pick to pick up, but I do think he is going to be a bit more more involved than he was last year. I would like to talk about the wide receivers, and me personally, 
I love wide receivers. I think they're a lot more fun than running backs. I think what running backs can be a bit more a bit more predictable. So that's why I like the challenge of wide receivers thinking, well, hey, even even though this guy might be third on the depth chart, I, I think he could have a great year. And while that's not the case for this first one in Juju Smith-Schuster, not really a, a reach by any regard, still a probably top eight, top nine uh, round draft pick. So he had that stint with the Chiefs, but... But before that, he was a freak athlete for the Steelers. And he got a bit cocky. I think it went to his head a bit. And maybe he lost focus a little bit on football. I don't think what happened last year with the Chiefs were by any means Juju's fault. I think it was more really just what the Chiefs were willing to do with him. So if you look at last year, you know, he really did not, you know, shine that consistently. He had a few extremely extremely good weeks. He did not have any multiple touchdown games. I think that's something that's going to change this year. I think Patrick Mahomes likes slinging it to Kelsey and then he likes spreading it out to other guys. So again, not like I said, I don't think last year was anything to do with Juju. I think this year with Mac Jones, who is more that game manager type quarterback, is going to be looking for someone to throw the ball to. And he does not, you know, this year, last year hasn't really changed. He hasn't had anyone to really throw that ball to, to target kind of almost every single, you know, play where He's an option. You know, after Juju, you've got Devontae Parker, who can have some big games. He might have two or three big games here and there. And then you're looking at, you know, Kendrick Bourne, players like that, and then Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, who are by no means exciting tight ends. They're not, you know, speedy or fast or more just kind of dumped down safe options so that's why I think Juju is going to have a very successful year I could see him having you know possibly eight touchdowns uh, which is substantially more than what was last year I think he will command the target share in this offense obviously they did just pick up Ezekiel Elliott but I don't think that that has major impacts like Dalvin Cook going to the Jets did because Ezekiel Elliott he's older he's one-dimensional and Ramondre Stevenson certainly still going to be their pass catching back. They're not going to mix it up, I don't think, with that. So Juju Smith with Mac Jones, I think, is certainly a, a very safe, very safe option. Next up is actually going to be a Jaguars receiver. And no, it is not Christian Kirk. It's going to be Zay Jones. I think value-wise, I like Zay Jones a heck of a lot better than where I like Christian Kirk going right now. Christian Kirk is a guy that you'd have to go spend a six-round pick on, maybe maybe even possibly in some deeper leagues, a fifth-round pick. So Zay Jones is a guy you can get in the 12th, 13th rounds. And to me, he has a ton more upside than Christian Kirk. I think we know what Christian Kirk is going to get you. It's going to be possibly wide receiver three, possibly, you know, for, you know, flex option in some leagues as well. So Zay Jones, even though they have added Calvin Ridley, he is certainly, you know, probably why Zay Jones is, is down this year after having a pretty good year last year. He had plenty of games where he commanded 10 plus targets. He had, I think, five touchdowns it was last year, three of which coming in one game, which isn't exactly a great stat for someone that's a boom guy. But hey, if you showed you could do it in one game, why can't he do it in some others? And Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are definitely going to mi- command attention from the opposing DBs, the defense. And I think it's going to free up Zay Jones actually a lot this year. He might not see the consistent targets that he kind of saw last year, but I think there are going to be games where it's more pass heavy that he is going to get open and really have some boom weeks. Probably, I don't know if he's going to have as many 10 plus target games this year as he did last year, but for a guy you're getting in the 13th round, if you can get him to score on four weeks out of the the best ball season, I think you're doing pretty good. 
Next wide receiver is a bit interesting. I think he is a player that has certainly flown under a lot of people's radar, and that's Chase Claypool. The reason I'm going with Chase is I think he is still a, a great athlete. He is in certainly a competitive receiving group on a different style of offense with Justin Fields running it. He is behind, of course, you know Darnell Mooney, uh, DJ Moore, who they've just acquired this year. But I think there's still a spot for him. You can get him extremely late in your draft, probably last round, you know, round 18 or so for the best ball leagues. Um, I, I think you could probably still get him, you know, round 17. Um, but if he's there round 18, I think that's who you should probably choose your last, last roster spot on. Um, especially just because he had, does have, he does have upside in my opinion. Um, I'm not really sure sure why, but that's why I do call it gut feeling fantasy. So he, even last year without DJ Moore, he wasn't that involved with the offense. He had maybe one or two good weeks last year. Um, I don't think he had any touchdowns, maybe one or two. But this year, Cole Komet, I think he's going to cut into a little bit of his workload. I think the Bears want to open up fields to... Uh, become an elite quarterback, which he is not yet. I don't care what you say for fantasy purposes. He is for actual offense purposes. He's not. I definitely wouldn't draft Chase Claypool higher than round 17. I wouldn't go pick him up in the 16th, 15th rounds. One, because you don't need to. Second, because that is way too high for someone that you're taking a chance on. But for your last two rounds of a best ball draft, he does have upside. He's still a massive target at 6'4", six, 6'5", six, something like that for Justin Fields to find. And even if he just has two good games where he's getting, you know, eight, nine, possibly 10 targets, I don't think that will ever happen. But hopefully he has some eight target, nine targets games. Hopefully he's found a little bit more in the red zone this year uh, than last year. And I think that's certainly something that you know, rather than chancing Justin Fields getting, you know, crushed on almost every single red zone opportunity he can get, um, rushing it out or scrambling out of the pocket, I think they're going to say, hey, why don't you find your 6'4 receiver out there and um, maybe give him a go? So that's why I think Chase has some upside. So we'll see kind of how that prediction goes out through, you know, the regular season. Next up is Greg Dortch. Uh, not because I think he's some fantastic receiver just kind of patiently waiting in the wings, more or less because of the situation. Uh, he's with the Cardinals, obviously behind Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, and uh, I don't know if he's behind or kind of even. I'm not sure how that depth chart's playing out. But they did draft uh, Michael Wilson out of Stanford with their third-round pick. And the reason why I've got Greg Dorch on this list, again, a guy I would not go after, I would not pursue, but if... He's there, 18th round or so, 17th round possibly. And he's there, and you don't know what to do. And I don't know, I might even like him a little bit over Chase Claypool. I, you know, Rondell Moore dealt with, you know, injuries for over half the season last year. Michael Wilson was very injury prone in college for two of those years. And Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, and we'll see. He's a great receiver, but. After that, I mean, Greg Dortch would be up, say, if Rondell Moore especially went down again. So it would be him or Michael Wilson, who probably would like Greg Dortch over Michael Wilson. Uh, 
I know they just drafted Mike Wilson, so they want to get him involved. But out of Stanford, I, I don't know if he's quite ready for that NFL level. So Greg Dortch, 17th, 18th rounds, go ahead and toss him in there. And hopefully, you know, he has a few good weeks and kind of almost like a handcuff wide receiver for this more injury prone Cardinals offense. Last but not least, the tight end position that I do want to talk about, and it's someone that I'm not even sure is going to make a difference on your best ball rosters, to be honest with you. It could just be me trying to make something work in a league where you have your five-ish tight ends, and then six through ten are okay. They're not someone you're excited to play every week, but you have to. And then the rest are just hit very, very hit or miss. So this one I'm talking about for the New York Jets, Tyler Conklin. A bit more or so, I'd say, because of Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, if Zach Wilson or whoever the heck they wanted to throw out there was still on this team, I'd say absolutely no way. Even though last year he did, he did actually have a, a couple of good weeks, um, getting some touchdowns here and there. He had a two-week or a two-touchdown game last year, um, but that was early on, I think, first 10 weeks of the season. After that, he really didn't do a a whole lot. Um, did see a decent amount of target share though in some games um, with some 8 plus, 9 plus, 10, 110 actually game. That was his two touchdown game. So he's shown that he can handle a bit of a workload. I think he might get lost a little bit this year in the New York Jets offense um, on defenses uh, just because they do have a, a heck of a lot of threats, especially now after picking up uh, Dalvin Cook, but Garrett Wilson, certainly an elite wide receiver. Alan Lazard, Rogers is definitely going to probably force a bit to him early on just because he likes the players that he's played with. And that's kind of why he, I, I believe he went after Dalvin Cook and won at Dalvin Cook just because he's played against him for all, all of Dalvin Cook's career, actually. And then Michael Hardman certainly is a great, a great player, too. I'd uh, he had some good moments with the Chiefs here and there, and I think he will continue that with the Jets as well. So that's why I think Tyler Conklin, kind of getting lost in that mix, can pick him up round 18 in your best ball. So we'll see how that one plays out. But if you get there and say, hey, I'd really, you know, really would like a third or fourth tight end and just kind of forgot about him all draft and he's going to be there, I think he's probably the guy you should pick up just for the fact it's Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be a guy you want to rely on every week, but if he hits two weeks out of the season, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself. So that's going to be a wrap on this first ever episode of Gut Feeling Fantasy. Again, I'm your host, Bobby, and I do really appreciate you all taking the time to listen for 20 plus minutes of me rambling on about these eight guys. Just as a recap, we started with the running backs with Antonio Gibson. Then we moved on to Tank Bigsby and then Jalen Warren with the Steelers. Of receivers, we had Juju, who's got a great, great situation this year with the Pats. Zay Jones, value-wise, I'm not sure if there's a receiver out there that has better value in that rounds 12-13 spot. Chase Claypool and then Greg Dortch. And then we rounded off the episode with Tyler Conklin, who I think, I think there's going to be weeks out there that he's a top 10 tight end. How many, I'm not sure. Hopefully it's about five or so. And, you know, if, if you're getting him in round 18 of your draft, for your best ball, I think you're I think you're going to be happy with that. So, again, thank you all for watching. If you want to discuss anything, go ahead and mention me on Twitter, GFF underscore football, for gut feeling fantasy. But um, other than that, 
I will see you all next time.